0: I greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and um, I pastor a church in Tableview called Living Waters Community Fellowship. Um, I've, been, say, I've been in the faith for 36 years now, I've been across the world in um, much to the east, and underground church in Muscat and Oman. worked with them for years. and. Um, uh, I can't consider myself an expert in this field What you know we just we've lived and walked on this road a long time had a lot to do with this subject unfortunately I was involved in the occult before I became a Christian and uh, when I got saved then at least I understood how everything worked so maybe I can see it a bit clearly more than others do we've had a lot to do with uh, uh, Deliverance and people getting delivered from demons hasn't been my choice of calling. You know what I mean? It's not something that I wanted to do or want to, you know, it's, we just had to do it along this road. We're seeing a, a very different world now. You know, Christians are not like Christians of 20 years ago. You're having a really, in, Christians look different. They talk different. They're not as strong. Um, uh, they've got massive demonic problems. It's absolutely crazy. I've never seen anything like it so you know we've got to wake up you know and uh we need to understand how to deliver people how to uh, react against the dark forces you you and i we all have been arrested maybe in the last couple of weeks have you been arrested by demonic forces and maybe you didn't even know you know what i mean and we've got to be able to discern good and evil we've got to wake up the church is asleep i've never seen something like it in all the years of the faith of what we see now in christianity you know um, eight out of ten problems that we're dealing with christians it's a salvation thing they're just not even saved they think they're saved they're not you know and when we probe in that area we find there's a massive problem you actually need to get saved you don't even need deliverance you need to get saved and baptized properly and then and then you uh, we find a lot of them are getting sorted like that straight away but um, we've got to wake up to the the forces of darkness and Satan coming down to the earth with great wrath, and uh, our churches are overrun. The castle walls are taken in many, uh, right across the country. Our churches are overrun by devils. I want to tell you that right now, you know. And um, we we can't discern. We're putting people into leadership that should never be put in leadership at all, you know. That have got problems themselves. So, we need a discerning church now. Especially for you guys who are training for missions, you will meet the enemy on the battlefield. And he won't come in any way that you think of him. You won't, if you're not understanding what you look for, you won't notice him. And that's what we see now. Christians don't. Know. Christians come to me with problems. They say, you know, I've got me this terrible problem. And then I say, but it's actually demonic. You know what I mean? You know, this one woman, she she was a nurse, she came to us, Christine and I, and she said, you know, she's been persecuted at work by this one person, you know, all day she's been persecuted. It's terrible. She wanted to leave the nursing profession. I said, it's a demonic thing that, man. She said, you know, she couldn't understand how that could be. I said, come, we're going to pray for you. And we took authority. We can't control that other person, but we can stop the demon that's using it. You understand what I'm saying? We can't control that person. We can't force them to do what they don't want to do. And that's not what we do. We knock the spirit out of play. We bound that thing in Jesus' name. Anyway, she went back to work the next day. And we got a phone call later in the day. She said when she got to work, this woman came running to her, put her arms around her and said, I'm sorry for the way I've been dealing with you. You know what I mean? You're not dealing with flesh and blood. And this is often. She had no idea that she was under assault. You know what I mean? And devils use people. They take people captive at will, those that are not in Christ. At will. They're his people. He can do what he likes with them when he likes. They can use them against you. Speak things through them to you that they don't actually want to say. And when you ask them like two days later, why did you say that to me? They say, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. You're not dealing with flesh and blood. We've got to wake up as Christians if we want to be effective in this world out here now. My first lecture or sermon, whatever you want to call it. Okay, I'm going to give you like two sermons and then we're going to talk about deeper things after that. Is a call to arms. 2 Timothy 2.3 You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm sure Paul was watching the Roman soldiers of his time, you know, how they trained, how, you know, how they were trained to lock shields and form tortoise, testudo, you know, and do all these things. You know, you obviously watched them and thought that's our spiritual life. That's how we should be a good soldiers of Jesus Christ, because that's what you are going to be. You know, a soldier means someone who serves in the army. We're in the army of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great army, a magnificent army, an army sold out to our King and Saviour Jesus Christ. We radical, dangerous and we are well-trained soldiers of Christ. We are, we are warriors. And I want to tell you, you know, have to be that if you want to make a difference in this world. The enemy can't look at you as a joke, laugh when you come in the room, the demons all sit there and snicker when you come in because you have no consequence to them. You have no ability to defeat them. They know they can smell you from a mile off. You're a weak Christian. You know, they should be running out the room when you walk in, in your battle armor, in God's armor. You should be gleaming with the light. They should recognize you. Interesting. And say, we don't want to mess with this like we're getting out. That's what should happen. It's an exciting time in the kingdom. And all of us are part of what God is doing. I love this uh, scripture in Joel 2.2, 2, whatever theology you've got, wherever you see it, it just, it describes a very powerful army. You know, it says. A people come great and strong, the like who has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for successive generations. A fire da- devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like swift steeds so they run. With the noise of chariots over mountain tops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people writhe in pain, or faces are drained of colour, they run like mighty men, they climb the wall like men of war, everyone marches in formation, they don't break ranks, they do not push one another, everyone marches in his own column, they lunge between the weapons, they're not cut down, they run to and fro in the city, they run on the wall, they climb into houses, they enter the windows like a thief, the earthquakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. And the Lord gives voice before his army, the camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, who can endure it? We need to raise up Christians that are absolutely unafraid, that engage the enemy. Don't run from it, try and get away from a difficult situation, that when we see the enemy we lock down, we pull our helmets down and we charge into their battle. And if we fall, we fall, you know, we're brave and we're strong. We don't, uh, we don't back down from any enemy attack. If we see the enemies in any situation, we engage immediately, even if it costs us a lot. That's what God is calling us Christians to be. We, we've got to, we've got to be far braver and stronger than, than the church is being at the moment. When I was in the earthly army, we had to endure hardship as a good, as good trainee soldiers. There were signs all over that said, train hard, fight easy. I think that can apply to our Christian We mm-hmm. Train hard and when the war comes, when battle comes, you just stand and, and you don't get washed away and you don't get to be, even if we're wounded, we carry on. This we also do in the heavenly kingdom, train hard, fight easy. We train hard by reading the Bible, train ourselves by prayer and train ourselves in holiness. Always excelling, always trying to be more excellent always representing the kingdom of God. We train hard by overcoming addictions in our lives and by becoming fruitful in all areas of our existence. Paul was the only apostle to say, follow me. And he said it a couple of times in the scriptures. So if, if we want to see what it means to endure hardship as a good soldier, we see it in these verses. 2 Corinthians 11:23. Are they ministers of Christ or speakers of fool? I am more in labours more abundant, in stripes above measure, he got more beatings than anybody else, it's terrible, <laughs> in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, they think that when they stoned him he actually died and the, the, the church had to raise him from the dead. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one, I mean can you imagine, 39, he got it five times, 39 lashes on his back, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep. That's just got to be bad, you know. I'm an old spear fisherman, I know what it's like to be. A boat once dropped me off in the sea, and then it went to the shore without me knowing it. And I was off the coast on my own, looking into the, can't see the bottom of the ocean. That was like an experience, you know. Paul was a night and a day in the deep, you know. Shipwrecked three times. He says, in journeys often. In perils. Perils is dangers in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and toil, sleeplessness often, hunger and thirst, fastings often, cold and nakedness. Beside the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I'll boast in the things which concern my infirmity. In one Corinthians four eleven he says, To the present hour we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed, beaten and homeless. This is Paul telling the church. Okay? And we labour working with our own hands. Being reviled we bless, being persecuted we endure. Being defamed or slandered, uh, being we entreat, we plead. We have been made as the filth of this world, the offscouring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, Paul says to the church of God, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. So he's, he's issuing a warning to the church, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you can have all these teachers, Paul said, they're going to come through all the centuries and they're going to tell you all kinds of doctrines and things that you must follow. He says, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me, follow me in in another transit. We are to take his example, we endure all things for God. Yeah, people moan about absolute nonsense today in the churches, you know, we need to endure it and push against it. We're always going forward. We're not giving up. We welcome whatever comes our way. You know what I mean? For Christ. So there we have an excellent example. And though we all can't physically follow Paul all over the world, in our hearts we must be prepared to endure all things for Christ. You need to settle that issue in your heart long before God calls you or wants you to go. I would have been very happy to have gone to the jungles of Borneo, or wherever in my life, but God has called me here. That's where I'm called. You know, I would have loved to have gone across the world to the, into the darkest places of the earth. But that's not where God called me, but I've gone in my heart already. I'm surrendered to that. You know, and all of us should be, as Christians, you need to settle that in your hearts. Will you go, the Lord says, for me, and we should say yes, even though he may not require us to go to any of these places. So how can we endure things as a good soldier of Christ? We endure our financial troubles. How are you doing, brother? I'm having a really hard time, but I'm trusting God for deliverance. That's not break down, weep, cry on the floor, kick our legs, you know what I mean? We say we're trusting the Lord. We're going through hard times, but our trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we endure it. We endure people speaking evil about us. We endure it. We just stare it in the face. God will deliver us. Matthew 5.44 But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And we do it without any weakness you know we are kind and good to our enemies because we choose to be if we are to unleash the wrath of God we could do that too I'm sure but we don't because Christ told us not to so we can look at them unafraid and say we bless you you know uh, we will do we find that with our enemies the best thing we can do is find something good to do for, to them those that have betrayed us spoken behind our backs If we see here they're in financial trouble, we'll go and try and help them. (laughs) If they've got no food, we we make sure the church, we send them food. You know what I mean? That's how we react. It takes the wind out of their sails. Hudson Taylor said, China is not to be won for Christ by quiet, easy, loving men and women. The stamp of men and women we need is such as will put Jesus, China and souls first and foremost in everything, and at every time. Even life itself must be secondary. Yeah, I love that. That sums it up, isn't it? You know, we are to give our lives to Christ, and when you say give your life to Christ, you give your life to Christ. Those early missionaries, Moravian missionaries, took their gravestones with them, young 19-year-olds, they just left the date of it, because they knew in Africa you lived two years before you died, from sickness, Cannibals attacks Charles Wesley was so impacted by the Moravians. He became a Christian. He'd been a believer all his life That's dedicated can we do that Say to the Lord, I will go and, and, and we will fight all, any enemy we find and if we fall we fall with honor And we don't mind You know we've got to be Christians and we've got to engage and, 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 and the Lord's got to be able to use you in every type of situation. I saw a woman being uh, kidnapped in a taxi some time ago, you know, and, uh, you know, she was screaming out the windows, calling for help. And the taxi was going in the opposite direction. And I was going home with, we can't ignore it. We are Christians. I turned the buggy around outside builders warehouse there. And a woman had also seen it. And unfortunately, the women are a lot braver than the men today. Because this woman had been screaming right away, calling for help. And she jumped ahead of us and pulled over and cut off the taxi. And I boxed him in. We can't just ignore. We know they got guns. We know that. And I took my walk tall. And I tapped on his window said, let them go. And they didn't want to let it go. So I broke the taxi off. Completely smashed those windows till they let her go. And we pulled that girl out of there. We got her safely into builders' warehouse. But then I had to contend in combat with these guys and lost some of my windows in the process. (laughs) And it went bad for me because the police, local police didn't support us, turned against me, made me look like the bad guy, wouldn't even go look for the girl. You know? But we've got to endure this stuff. Luckily, the woman's father phoned Radio 702, told them the story, it hit the, the radio, the radio phoned the police station, said what's going on, the police station freaked out, the DA got involved, in the end they went and arrested them and they were in prison, but it went, it went bad first. What I'm trying to say to you, I'm not trying to boast or say something, I'm saying we've got to help in every situation as Christians, no matter if it costs us our life. Could it cost me a life, I would have been prepared and happily to have fallen there doing rescuing that woman. I would have been okay with that. I was, I understood the danger. My three men in the back hid away from the battle, they were hiding away the back, in the back, you know. But we cannot ignore the, the any situation that calls for Christian men and women to stand up, you know what I mean? You can't walk away. You know, so we, we, we needed a, a new type of Christian that stands up for those that can't stand up for themselves. When we do the anti-abortion uh, march, maybe 150 people come. Where's the rest of the church standing up for those who have no voice? They don't want to get involved. It's terrible. You know what I mean? That Christians, we are like this. 2 Timothy 2.4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. A soldier has to be focused on what he is fighting for, else he would not be prepared to lay down his life for the cause. You've got to believe in what you're doing if you want to lay down your life. And you've got to know that you know that you know that Christ is Lord of all and that you are in the will of God and that you are doing the right thing. And if you don't know that, you need to fix that. Because you... We will die for causes we believe in. You Look at these jihadis, you know, when Christianity was wiped out of Europe in the last 20 years and they started boasting themselves that they were in the post-Christian era, you know, the GIs from the desert looked hardened eyes and said, we can take these guys. And they asked him, why didn't you come before? And they said, we didn't want our people to become Christians. But now there's nothing to stop them. You know they need strong christians standing against strong unbelievers who are not afraid to die for their faith nor are we and that's what we have got to raise up so it's got to be focused unless we know why we follow jesus unless we know that we have eternal life we will never follow him into danger or less still lay down our lives isn't it if you don't love christ to the core of your being God his kingdom you know what I mean and you know that you're going to heaven and that death is nothing but a a step up you know then if you don't know that you're not going to put your life out there for Christ Luke 14 26 if anyone comes to me does not hate his father and mother wife children brothers sisters yes and his own life also he cannot be my disciple whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first, count the cost, whether he is enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Christ comes before all things, our family even. We put God and his church first in our lives. Ask David Livingstone. Amen like that. If I'm correct, I think he left when his wife was pregnant or something. And he saw his child when she was nine years old. You know, the call of God. You don't get Christians like that anymore. You know what I mean? Those two young missionaries who went to that island. You know, um, uh, I think they were young Moravians who went to the island and they heard that there were slaves on an island and no Christian had been on it. Who sold themselves into slavery and they had families they said goodbye to their families on the on the at the uh, in the harbor they sold themselves to the to this guy so they could get onto this island to preach the gospel never seen again they gave their families over to the church said look after our families left they died in nobody knows where but they say they went 13,000 people to christ from island to island as they went you know, it's a whole different picture of what we've seen today, that's being asked of Christians today. Whole different picture. That we put God and His church first in our lives, it's not optional. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You know, we have one life to live. We've got to do excellently. We've got to go for it. And we've got to put our heart and soul into it, no matter what the cost. David Livingstone, I I quote, says, I place no value on anything I have or may possess, except in relation to the kingdom of God. If anything will advance the interests of the kingdom, it shall be given away or kept only as by giving it or keeping it, I shall most promote the glory of him to whom I owe all my hopes in time and eternity. You know, we've got to get radical for Christ. The world's sick of, of 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 wishy-washy Christians. You know what I mean? They're sick of it to the core of their beings. You know, compromise and everything. You know, drunk on Fridays, church on Sundays. You know what I mean? You know what what kind of uh, example is that? You know, we we got to be so radical that they know that we are radical for Christ. And you know what? They like that. They like to see that you believe in something. We need to not get entangled in the things of this world, like sport, computer games, or anything else. We can enjoy things in moderation, but we must not be consumed by these things. Instead, the word says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. David Livingston, God send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Severe any tie in my heart, except the tie that binds my heart to yours. I love that that radical Christianity, you know, Christ first, kingdom of God. Let's do something for the Lord. Uh, Philemon 1-2, and our beloved Aphia and Okypus, our fellow soldier, he calls them soldiers. We are not alone in this quest, you know, um, uh, for God, you know, we, we have a great Christians that went before. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Christianity is, I hate when people say Christianity is not a religion. You know, where the scriptures say, pure and undefiled religion before God is this. The, the scripture calls it, so. we own we a great religion. It's unlike any other religion, we have a personal relationship with Christ and God. But we have a great religion and, and it's, it's a fantastic to be part of, of what God is doing on this earth. Yeah. Hebrews 12 one says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We have all these men of God through the centuries that are watching us. What are you going to do? Those who have gone before us urge us to do great exploits as they have done. Hebrews 11.33 who through faith, the great men of God passed, who were not born again, blood washed, baptized in the Holy Spirit, children of God in the New Testament. They were in the Old Testament. And they did incredible things. It says, who through faith, they subdued kingdoms. They brought it down. They took the kingdoms for Christ. In more, uh, in our time in the New Testament, John Knox said, give me Scotland, Lord, lest I die. I'm not interested in a local church, a local a council, a local, uh, God give me Scotland, and he took Scotland for Christ. But these old warriors who through faith-subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant, very brave in battle, turned to flight the armies of it says the aliens, the, the demonic armies outside there. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. Now, like this, you know, it says others were tortured not accepting deliverance. They could have called God for deliverance. They, when they were a, a, sawing a Zion half in a tree trunk, he could have called on the God of heaven. But it says here, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. No one takes our life. We lay it down. Yeah. You know what I mean? A guy who comes with a gun to your head says, I am going to kill you. You say, no, you're not. Sorry, you got it wrong. Can I pray for you? Yeah. You know, you, I don't think I've got lots to do for the Lord. I'm going now, but let me pray for you before I go. Yeah. No one takes our life. You know, we lay it down when it's the Lord's time. And here's time we go, not giving up our lives to any scumbag who is going to try and take it from us. Okay, so others were tortured. Okay. Others had trials of mockings and whippings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented, adversity, it says of whom the world wasn't worthy men of God through the ages that have gone before us. We are called to equal or better the deeds of our forefathers. John 14, truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. We should take that, say, Lord, help me to do that, help me make a difference on this earth. In a great army, we have many different units. Cooks, supplies, transport, pilots, frontline so soldiers. And we must determine who we are in this army. I remember going to a local church that we were in, uh, when we, I, I left a church i have been with that for 18 years and we were trying to find somebody else to go, what a nightmare. It was like getting on the train of Christianity and getting off and seeing what the world actually looked like outside there. It was terrible. But I remember this one church I went to, you know, that I, I actually, spoke to the pastor, I said, your church is like a recreation camp. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've never seen something so slick in all my life. You've got no warriors here. It's like ring-a-ring-a-rosies all the time. You know, um, it's like they're pampering each other, giving each other bottles to drink. The Christians are screaming like baby. I've never seen anything like it.' Several groups of 40 people or more, they're leaderless. I, I've never seen something like it, you know. I, but I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, there are different units in an army, you know. You've, you need the cooks, you need the the tiffies, you need the mechanics. They never see frontline duty. I was with the paratroopers, we were the stormtroopers of the army, but we were a small group. You know, there's only two paratrooper companies at any given intake that uh, fought on the, in the border war, you know. And, uh, our job was to take the bases, but we can't do it without the rest of the army. You can't do it without the artillery, the air force, uh, the guys fixing the vehicles, you just can't do it. You, you, but that was our chosen day. And that's what you are being called. If you are here today, you're called to be a stormtrooper. A, a life of rest and ease is not in our future. You're going to go to Africa. You meet all kinds of demons there. You're going to have to war for the souls of men. You're going to have to drive devils on the battlefield. You're called to be that soldier, stormtroopers for the army. And uh, we can't be like normal Christians and play around here or some of these guys, you know, you know, and carry on like they carry on. We can't. We've got to be radical, trained and have an ability to overcome the enemy under any circumstances all right so we need to follow Christ Colossians three seventeen. and whatever you do in word and deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him Ephesians six ten. 10 finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might it's God's will that we be strong you know, in the first part of that uh, list of champions in Hebrew, it said some subdued kingdoms. You know, they overcame armies. They they did others were tortured. Our calling is to overcome the armies, to, de- de- to defeat the enemy in battle, to go where no other people have gone. It's like when we used to do outreach in our area before COVID time. We'd say, which is the worst block we can go to at Parklands. We're trying to determine which is the most drunken, baddest block we can go and do some witnessing in. (laughs) There we go, they're climbing over the guys fighting in the street there, you know, there's like crazy drunkenness everywhere. And then when we get there, because we usually got a contact, we say, which is the worst unit in this entire block that we can go to? Which is the worst one? Mm -hmm. Then they say, that one. Then that's the first one we go knock at the door. You know? We say, hey, we're coming to pray for people. We church in the area, can we come pray for you? And you've got somebody peeping around the door like this. You know? And they, we say, we're not, you know, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to pray for you. We're a local church, you know. And uh, we come, can we come ask the Lord's blessing and pray for you guys? And then the door opens a bit, and then they let us in. Hmm. And then before we pray for them, we talk to them about Christ. You know, we do That's what we do. And then we work that block. And within a week or two, all, all of that violence vanishes. The people say, we start a cell group there. You know, in, in these flats where the cockroaches are running up the walls. And, you know what I mean? They've made this terrible cabbage food that you, you can't even breathe inside that food. You know? you know, and then we go, we take the cell groups there. We say, we're coming here on a Tuesday night to meet. Bring your friends. You know, and then it's got no furniture and we sit on the floor, whatever, you know. <laughs> but heads appear on the door when Hannah came and say, come join us, you know, and next thing, we've got like 20, 30 people in cells there and we've got then two cells. Mm-hmm. And then they say, after a couple of weeks, everything's changed in this world. Mm-hmm. The drug lords have gone, the place is at peace. Mm-hmm. We invade the enemies, we, we go into the enemy's areas and, and we take that place for Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Matthew Henry says in his commentary, now, i'm a pentecostal guy but i love these reformers i mean peter taught me about the reformers and uh, you know um, you know the helped me understand the scriptures and things a lot better you know um i used to have in prison because i was saved in prison in 1980 what, what year 85 or something i was saved you know spent seven years inside most of them as a christian you know and uh Uh, I bought a Matthew-Henry commentary for a carton of cigarettes (laughs) in resume, so uh, I was always reading Matthew-Henry's commentary as well at the same time. Okay, he said in his commentary, it yet remains that you apply yourselves to your work and duty as Christian soldiers. Now it is requisite that a soldier be both stout-hearted and well armed, (laughs) if Christians be soldiers of Jesus Christ. They must see, they must see that they be stout-hearted. This is prescribed here, be strong in the Lord. Those who have so many battles to fight and who on their way to heaven must dispute every pass. You know what I mean? They must fight for every, every area, every pass that we go through. Every, with dint of sword, have need of great and have need of great courage. Be strong, therefore, strong for service, strong for suffering, strong for fighting. Let a soldier be ever so well armed without. If he have not within a good heart, his armour will stand him in little stead. Note spiritual strength and courage are very necessary for spiritual warfare. We should be aggressive Christians. We don't just take what's happening to us. You know? So he says courage are necessary for our spiritual warfare. Be strong in the Lord, either in his cause and for his sake, or rather in his strength. We have no sufficient strength of our own. Our natural courage is as perfect cowardice, and our natural strength is as perfect weakness. But all our sufficiency is of God, and any strength we must go forth and on. By the actings of faith we must fetch in grace and help from heaven to enable us to do that which of ourselves we cannot do in our Christian work and warfare." That's what Matthew did. I think he was a Puritan, if I'm correct. eh? They knew about being soldiers. Why does the modern church not know that and not accept that we are in a terrifying war? God is looking for people who will stand today against all odds, champions of the faith. We have this great cloud of witnesses watching over us and saying, we did, we subdued kingdoms. We stopped the mouths of lions. We conquered demonic armies. What is is your church going to do? What is is the church of today going to do? They're looking at us. But the old champions are dead now. You know, they're not with us, and there's no more Samsons or Daniels. You, you are the Samsons and Daniel. You are the ones that have got to step up. We are the ones to carry this, the torch that they have thrown to us. Because they did. When they died, they threw the torch. And who's catching it? People are ignoring it. We catch it, we take it, and we run with it. Um, during the First World War, there was a, a great poem called Flanders Field. We all know it at school. We used to read it and whatever. But the one verse, he says, he knows they're going to die. They're going to go over the top. The, the, the death in the First World War was unspeakable. You know, and he wrote this poem and he, and he didn't want his death to come for nothing. You know, he said, you know, we, we're going to die. We're going to go over the top of these trenches and the whistle blows. We're going to get mown down and. In, in numbers, we probably won't make the day, you know what I mean? And he was saying, he wrote this famous poem, which became, was printed in all the newspapers of the day at the time, and that, and the one verse says, he says, take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to throw you this torch when I get shot. And you carry on doing what I couldn't do, and you finish this, you know, and the, the early church is saying the same to us. Uh, uh, what people didn't know, a little bit later, lieutenants, a couple of months later, wrote back into the, uh, uh, this in the newspaper in answer to Flanders Field, as he was about to go to war in France. He answered, your flaming torch aloft we bear, with burning heart and oath we swear. To keep the faith to fight it through, to crush the foe or we'll sleep with you. Can we say that to the early church? We take that torch and we hold it up. And with burning heart and oath, we swear, we'll keep the faith and we'll fight it through, no matter what it costs us. To crush the foe, we will win. Or we're coming to sleep with you. We'll see you on the other side. No, we did our best. In Timothy, Timothy 4, 6 and 7, Paul says at the end of his life, I'm now ready to be offered, the time of my departure is at hand, i fought a good fight. Mm -hmm. Can you say, can you and I say, you know, I did a jump with a parachute in 2018, a, a water jump, which is one of the most dangerous jumps, but we're getting older now, so we can't hit the ground at 30 foot a second. Anymore like we used to. So they're doing these water jumps every year. We go for retraining at the Parabat uh, place and at the Parabat battalion and then we do old C 160 water jumps. And the wind was bad and I knew it was going to be problems in the plane. The plane was doing this and you're only supposed to jump at a 30 knot window. We were about 30 knots. <laughs> and I looked at that plane on, on, the, on the dam, the Bloom of Dam. And I looked and I could see the white waters on the water. I just know this is going to be bad. There's <laughs> trouble coming in, because we've got the old World, World War Two shoots that you can't control, they go where they want to go, you know what I mean? And that's why you're trained to land in bushes, trees, whatever's coming, you know? And you're coming down hard, 30 foot a second, so even when, you shoot, when your shoot's open, so at 40 foot you get ground rush, the ground just it's <laughs> you like this, you know? So if you don't land with your legs together, you break your back, you know? Anyway, so uh, I'm looking and you know, I'm not going to be bad. I'm like fourth jumper to go out. Anyway, I go and uh, I can feel that wind as we go out. The first chute opens below me, second one, the wind takes him. He's going straight towards the land. They've dropped us too close to the land. He's heading straight towards the land. I oh, know it's going to be bad. He's got tackies on, coming in at 30 foot a second. The other one's also heading in the same direction. I pulled my chute. I tried to just pull it in that way and I went into the water. I hit the water, but we got new kit, we'd done retraining, but I didn't realize we unlocked the chute. It had a new system, and they didn't really go through that with us properly, you know. I knew all the rest of it, and then the, as I hit the water, I didn't—I I dropped my chute before I hit the water, so the wind caught it instantly. Now, I'm face down, being traveled, the wind's got me face down, and I'm in, I can't breathe. I lift up my head, the water's in my face, I turn this way, the water's in my face, I turn that way, and I'm just drowning, I'm going. I'm and I'm thinking, wow, bro, this is going to be really embarrassing, you know what I mean, you know, and I uh, can't find my unlock cable, you know, and uh, I'm just getting weaker and weaker, but you know, I was at peace, you know, I've been in the kingdom for 36 years, most of it in the front lines of, of the faith, I was at peace. I was quite, I, I, I knew I'm dying now, there's, there's no way I'm going to stop this, you know, and I felt my strength going and I was drowning I could feel I'm going, going, going. And the only regrets I had is like, what are you going to tell my wife I died, I don't know. it's going to be quite embarrassing, but I was, I was happy to go. I felt my end had come and I've worked for the Lord, I've done my best, and I haven't always done good. I've done bad, stupid things sometimes, made mistakes. But I've always loved Christ and his kingdom. Ever since that day in Son Nevada prison, you know, gave my heart to Christ, you know, and I was at peace. And then the wind stopped, I kid you not, two of us were being dragged. The only two pastors in 300 parent groupers. He was being dragged down the road from me. I didn't know, but I found it afterwards as well, you know, and he was also going down the tubes and the wind stopped it just died and as it died my chute dropped and I came out with my head out the water like this you know they got boats chasing each each uh, uh, jumper you know the, the engineers and police boats are chasing each jumper you know and uh, <laughs> I came out the water I saw the cable and I locked it and my chute dropped and then the wind started again but I was drowning I was so waterlogged from being you know, in my emergency chute I was actually drowning in the boat came they pulled me up, you know, um, what did Cromwell say, uh, the famous saying of Cromwell, you know, man is immortal until his work is done. Yes, amen. You know, we are, mm-hmm. we don't fall, we're not scared about, falling. God sent you, go, be strong, courageous, you know what I mean, do God's work and you will accomplish what the Lord sent you to do, no matter what stands against so he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. So that's how we want to end. Like that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, end of my first lecture. I don't know if you want to stand and I'm going to start to set my uh, Are any questions, Questions to at this point? Um, just a. Uh a question about how did uh, the other guy that was also in trouble so get Yeah, up. we were, wind saved us both, that like dropping of the wind. <laughs> and we were with these hard-drinking, swearing, bad news oaks, you know, and uh, we are the only two Christians and the only two being dragged. <laughs> it was quite funny, you know what I mean? So, I've learned my lesson. Sorry, yeah. no. Nice how does your style of preaching and your testimony that I know most of the people in this room we can love and appreciate? How how do you how softer people in today's generation take it? And do you think in today's world there's room for needing to be softer to get the message across? I think we can need all kinds of Christians, you know? There's all kinds of people. I appeal to a certain type of people, you know what I mean? We do need but even though you're soft and, and, and a person of love and kindness, you've still got to be brave. You know what I mean? We still got to step out for God. You know, we can't retreat into the shadows. So it, we, it takes all kinds to win a world. I can reach a certain amount of people. You will be able to reach a certain amount. I mean, I can't reach the people you're reaching, the young people. that don't listen to us. We're dinosaurs today. You know what I mean? If you guys don't actually carry that torch, this younger generation is going to be lost there's such a disconnect between our generation and the younger generation we grew up with war our fathers grew up with war you understand what I'm saying and then this generation doesn't know that at all they never did military training they didn't you know there's nothing like that so when we try and talk to them it's like we get nowhere you know so we desperately need young people to reach this generation you know that can talk to young people on their on footing on their equal footing you know you know may God raise up young people because we are not seeing young people raise up no. we are not seeing many radical Christians in the in the youth anymore well, do, do you think there needs to be an equal footing do you think there needs to be an adaptation because it seems like each equal footing and each adaptation gets weaker and weaker and more like the song and, yeah. and such do you think there needs to be a change or rather a centralized this is how it should be delivered this is how this is the reality that I have and that's it you know technology is changing so quickly the church must change with it we can't stay in the past we've got to change with us all if you want to reach the youngsters yeah in this generation it's like you know in my building but I've got a building business as well but you know we are so behind in technology we don't reach we don't reach the target audiences that we're trying to reach. But I see my daughter, you know, she has started a little baking business one day and she's so clever with her technology. She's able to reach friends. She just did so well, you know, it's we've got to adapt, not the message, but the way we present it to this generation. You could go to youngsters who are playing Call of Duty and that, and then you could talk to them on that foot. You know what I mean? You've got to be able to talk their language that's what we're finding it's very difficult for us to reach it, to use our experiences for this generation we need young people to do it you know i mean what this university what what went down here with all the burnings and that the, uh, the madness was going on in you see where were the christians uh, uh, standing up in the middle with their arms raised praising god amongst the fire you know what i mean we didn't see that you know, brave Christians, young Christians stepping up and saying, we're going to go and pray now in the middle here of all of this fire and destruction. You know, they all raging and going mad and they just lifting their hands, praising God. You know what I mean? Being brave in the, in the face under extreme uh, attack and persecution. You know, we need Christians to stand up, to be seen. So, we can be whatever, we, you know, God has many faces, kindness, gentleness, softness, God's a warrior. You know, we all need one another to reflect. I need the soft, gentle person in my congregation to tell me how to behave like okay. that. Or else I'll be unbalanced. I'll see God as a, as a, only as a general. And then that's how you teach your church, which you don't want to do, you've got to teach them how to be gentle, kind, loving, and we see that in the face of one another. We desperately need everybody to reflect the face of God in different aspects, you know? Otherwise, we lose the we lose our way. All right. You want me to just go on to the next? All right. Um, I just thought I'd do this sermon I did a while back uh, before we look at uh deeper things about spiritual warfare um it's called the art of war and um you know in the old testament what they did in the flesh we do in the spirit so they fought demo- uh, on demonic armies <laughs> demons and humans the armies were terrible some of them used to file their teeth they could fight you in battle. you know what i mean the philistines are trained from war from a very young age you know what i mean so They fought war with armor on in the flesh against demonic armies. What's... nothing's really changed. We still have armor, but we fight the spiritual army that control those armies. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you're still at war. We we haven't escaped any war. We are still at war, but we fight with different weapons. And we fight the real enemy, which is in the spiritual realm, that (coughs) controls humans. You see David asking the Lord, saying, should I go up against the Philistines? And the Lord said, yes, go up through the mulberry trees, and when you hear the sound of going above the treetops, you know that God is going before you. So the angelic army first had to win the spiritual battle against the demonic army in the spirit, before David's army could win the fight on the ground. It's exactly the same principle David. You know what I mean? Exactly the same principle that We are fighting a far more dangerous foe than they ever dreamed They fought humans, killed the human, the devil went out, the demons went out and looked for somewhere else to live. But we fighting, that army, those angels that went out rolling, that sound of going in the treetops, that angelic army moving out, took out the demonic army. When the demonic army was taken out, the people were up. You've got to to use the same uh, 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 principles in our spiritual life. Because you're fighting all kinds of demonic things now, and that's we've got to overcome. So we also need to learn to work together. I'm hearing so much now, people are leaving churches, not going to church anymore. You cannot do this without the church, you know, God's church. You might have to leave the church in and go find a better one, but you need to be part of the church. You cannot fight alone. You have blind spots, all of us. No matter how strong you think you are as a Christian, you know what I mean? You, the enemy knows where your hidden spots are and the church needs to protect you and help you and watch over you. We need one another's prayers. We need the prayers of agreement. We need the structures that God has put into place. Um, it's not in my notes, but you know, we have found during COVID, you know, where James uh, says, is there any sick you you? can call for the elders of the church. and can pray for them, anointing with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick who have committed sins that be forgiven it. we've done that with great effect we with covid with sicknesses all our people recovered we had some instant healings you know what i mean right through covid i've been healed about five times instantly when i went to my elders we've, if we're not going to take god's word and follow you're not going to make it in these last days we can't make up our own way. And if you're not in a church, whose elders do you have? Who do you call? You know what I mean? We, we've got to be part of God's army. Jesus loved the church and he died for it with all its warts. Yeah. You are going to be betrayed, denied and stabbed in the back of the church because you follower follow Christ. Yeah. Welcome to the church. Amen. We expect it and are pleasantly surprised when we don't get stabbed in the back. <laughs> you know that's the way it goes I'm telling you hurt people hurt people and you're going to be one of them and the Lord's going to allow it too so you can grow up and actually learn to forgive and love people no matter what they do to you to look into the eyes of people that you know that have spoken nonsense about you the day before because the devil makes sure you know about it It comes all the way around the circle straight to your ears, you know, we've got to grow up. So we need the church, we need one another. And I think this um, account that we're going to read now just shows that. The art of war, Exodus 17 verse 9, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. War is a terrible reality and war is in all our generations. All of us have experienced war or have seen war across the world, the world is torn apart by conflict. Echoing the words of Plato about 350 years before Christ, only the dead know no war. I think only of what I've seen in my life being born in 1961. The Vietnam War, our own domestic war on our borders against communist uh, forces, Russian and Cuban supported guerrillas. 9-11, 9-11, Afghanistan War, Kuwait War, Iranian War, attacks on Israel, including the Six-Day War, and so many smaller conflicts that we cannot count. Just in my life. Sure. You know, that's what's been going on. We even lived as children, and I don't think the younger generation knows that, we lived as children through the Cold War between the West and Russia, with the threat of nuclear war constantly around us. I, I kid you not, kids were killing themselves from depression at the universities, because they just saw no future because we lived under this nuclear war threat ever since I was a child, you know what I mean, there's just always Russia and there's going to be this war and the whole world's going to get destroyed and and kids do it, kill themselves on depression at universities like you can't believe it, because they couldn't face, they said there's no future for us. In our Christian faith we cannot escape warfare, but we are taught that our enemies are not flesh and blood, and we are commanded in six, Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the ways of the devil, the wiles of the devil. And I want to tell you that modern nature does not know the wiles of the devil. They've got no idea of tactics and he just loves it. Yeah. You've no idea when he's actually attacking your life. And it's actually a terrible thing. Hein? Ignorance. People are destroyed because of it, you know. Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the levels of the devil kingdom. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age and the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Third of the angels, we don't even know how many that is or could be, occupy these different ranks in the demonic kingdom. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all, to say, can't take some of the armor. God. can't lead the belt of truth because you told a lie a little bit earlier on in the day and your belt fell off. And now your breastplate's flapping around in the wind. You're not reading your Bible, so you've got a butter knife, a sword. And you've got no shield of faith. It's this small. You've got your butter knife and your little shield. Your belt's fallen off. your your shield of righteousness not living for Christ lying in the back room somewhere and now you're going to war and the enemy troops shoot the arrows comes down in a wave like it's towards you and you've got your little shield and you hold it up like that and it's just plunging into you from all over and you've got depression anxiety fear and you're running around like a, a, a chicken without a head I'm telling you, that's what God said, put on the whole armor of God. You can't leave it off. You can't tell that little white lie, your belt fell off. Yeah. You know, not living right those movies you're watching, unclean movies, your your breastplate's gone. You're not reading the word of God with no sort. It's terrible. You know? So we've got to put on the whole armor of God. That you may able to be uh, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you, every one of you sitting here as well, and me, may be able to withstand in the evil day. Because I want to tell you, in every one of your lives there's going to come an evil day. When the enemy is going to look at you and decide you next on the agenda. I'm telling you that now. And it says here that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Because you got your full armor on. You were able to stand. And having done all, stand. So the battle's going to rage around you. It's going to look like you're losing. Your troops are going to be taken out here, right? Frances. But the Bible having done all, you stand. We stand firm. Even though a, a thousand falls at our left hand, ten thousand at our right, we stand. Because we're clad in God's armor, we're not afraid. I often use that example of the Mongol armies, you know. They used to, They they could smell them before they saw you. Before they came, you know. They used to come in silence, but you could feel them on the ground. The ground shaking like this, you know. And and they conquered everything in the east. You know, they were never defeated. But they came to the west uh, and they came to Europe and they met the Christian knights for the first time. You know, the Frankish knights and that. You know, heavy armored knights and that. And they found they couldn't defeat these guys on horseback. So they got off their horses, you know, because the the Mongols attack and run away and attack on their horses, you know, constantly. So they got off their horses and then put their horses aside and then they just stood with their shields and their armour and they used to wait for the Mongol arms to come. Then they couldn't do them any, They could shoot arrows and just wait and they covered with their shields, you know, and the army had to engage them. And if they engaged them, they could defeat them because they were better trained soldiers. The Christian armies used to stand there waiting while the ground shaking. You could smell this army coming. But they just wait. And they let them harry them. They let them come in with waves of arrows shooting at them. They just hide behind their shields. That's in their shields, not doing them any harm. And they were able to defeat, having done all stand. And these, uh, these Mongol armies bounced off the Frankish knights like this. You know, it's a typology of what we must do. We must, ha- we must stand so we fight a far more dangerous and terrible enemy demons evil angelic beings and whatever else serves the purposes of the devil often humans used by devils mostly humans used by devils these are the spiritual beings causing man to kill and maim one another and whose only objective is to steal kill and destroy humans made in the image of god You and I are called by God to take a spiritual stand against hell's legions and to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ fighting using spiritual weapons against hell's soldiers. Um, quoting that scripture again, Timothy, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him, enlisted him as a soldier. So we return to our text in Exodus 17 verse 8. Now Amalek, and it's just a demonic this is like the epitome of the demonic tribes, Amalek. God hated Amalek and said he will destroy this nation from the face of the earth. They were wicked, cruel, deadly and dangerous. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Refidim. Amalek was a tribe from the line of Esau, hated anything to do with Israel. They were cruel and dark. They were the devil's champions of the time and were the first people to attack Israel when they came out of slavery. It said there that Amalek harassed Israel's rear guard the whole way through the desert. Riders coming in, arrows, shooting the people, hit and runs, the whole time, like demons do with you. We're going to learn that. Exactly demons tactics. They can't take you from the front because you recognize them. They harass you in your life. Things keep going wrong. You can't understand what's going wrong. You think it's normal. It's not normal many of the times. Sometimes it is, but a lot of the times it is. You're being harassed. They harass you. Hit and run. Hit and run. Hit and run here. You know? And uh, God was angry. He commanded two mitzvahs, commandments against Amalek to never forget the evil deeds of the Amalekites and to obliterate the entire nation. God had had it with him, you know? This would be carried out by Israel over a couple of generations. So Amalek, or the devils, came to fight with Israel, but consider why this had happened. The people had been quarreling with Moses just before this, Exodus 17, 2. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me and why do you tempt the Lord? 11 of the 13 plagues in the the Old Testament were caused by the tongue. You know, we see people, they use their tongues and they think they can. Christians, speak against leaders, against the work of God, it's dangerous, and the plague is begun. I once went to a meeting, um, a healing meeting, and uh, uh, this guy that was doing these healings, he'd healed my sister's daughter in the, Lord, in the name of Jesus, many years before she didn't have an eardrum at all, you know, and she couldn't swim or anything. And years before this guy had laid hands in her and put his finger in her ear and prayed and he said, in the name of Jesus Beel said, it's coming, it's coming, there it is, and he left, and she said, mommy, my head feels funny, and she had a completely new ear drum, she's able to swim and do anything, and the doctors were like, what the heck, you know.
1: <laughs> anyway, so I went to the
0: same, I took some people to watch it, but it was like quite embarrassing to watch the, the handing out buckets of money around the people, it's like, you know, what you know, and I judged this guy in my heart, you know, I said, wow, bro, this is just really bad news, you know." But there were like hectic things in meeting, people were getting healed and whatever, genuinely, in this meeting. And uh, I just felt sick about it and I spoke to the soul group about it and I said, this guy, you know, what they did with that money and it's just actually shocking, you know. And um, I got sick. I got so ill, my fever, I had a fever so ill, all I could see was this ex face in front of me. You know, night and day, felt this, uh, I thought I was going to die. I was so ill. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry, you know um our serpent and so the fever went away you know let god deal with him yeah. it wasn't my job yeah. you know i'm some mickey mouse cell group leader you know what i mean you know talking as a psycho had been around the kingdom a long time let god god will deal with him or his own rank must deal with him yeah. not some mickey Mouse cell group leader passing judgment on people that i shouldn't even be talking about actually yeah. it wasn't my place if I didn't like it, I don't have to go there. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm just saying, the tongue, you know? So, now the, so the Lord now allowed Amalek to contend with him as they had contended with God. Exodus 17, 9. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. See how God qualifies his people. Joshua fights, Moses prays, and both minister to Israel. So we all got our callings and where we are called to and what to do. Moses climbs to the top of the hill so all Israel could see. He holds the rod used by him to command the Red Sea to open. He gives hope to an untrained army that did not know how to battle. They didn't understand anything about war yet. That God was again with them and would show favor and miracles if they put their trust in him. Moses was only a standard bearer, was not only a standard bearer, but an intercessor pleading with God for victory. Now, notice how this thing runs, because it's a spiritual warfare, you know, how this whole thing moves ahead. Exodus 17.10, So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one and each side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Notice the warriors could do nothing without the prayer backup, without the rest of the church. It's exactly the same today. We often go into uh, areas uh, that we have no spiritual backup, nobody watching us over in prayer, nobody asking the Lord to keep the enemy from you and that you overcome.
1: As they engaged in combat, Moses
0: prayed for his army with outstretched arms, as he did before the Red Sea. Moses was providing prayer and praise cover for his people. While his arms were raised, the Israeli soldiers prevailed, but as Moses weakened, the battle shifted. The raising of hands is a common posture for prayer, but an uplifted arm can only be raised up so long. So Aaron and Hur stood beside Moses and kept his arms raised. Notice that the community, you know, together we win. You know, the the old lady who can't come to battle, she can pray. We must give her directives to pray. Tell her where we're going, what we're going to be doing. You know, uh, getting the church behind us. Pray. Cover us in prayer. You know what I mean? We're going out, you can't go out. We're going out. Cover us. Before we attacked the base of Njiba in 1981, which was uh, two divisions inside, and we were 2,000 men. (laughs) The, the, the rest of the army provided us artillery cover. They were marching ahead of us with the artillery. The planes were bombing the base in front of us, helping us. We couldn't have just arrived there and said, hey we're going to take this base. That anti-aircraft guns, they load them 10 degrees towards us like this and just cutting trees above our heads off. You know what I mean? We needed Extra support, you understand what I'm saying, to get anywhere. This is the same thing. And this is where you are going and in your life. You need that too. You need prayer cover. You need the church behind you. You know what I mean? Watching over you in prayer, constantly. Quoting God's scriptures for you. Some women who don't even understand, staying at home, reading, saying before the Lord, I'm praying for them this scripture into their life, Lord. You will not be successful without that. You know, you'll be defeated. So, Aaron and Mo- Her were Moses' top leaders, his right hand man. They were given authority to act in his stead during times of absence. Aaron was Moses' brother according to the tradition, and Her was Moses' brother in law. Her's grandson was one of the builders of the tabernacle. These two men were enabling Moses' intercession. Aaron's name means strength, and hers means liberty. They enabled Moses to maintain vigil on behalf of the army. Moses stood over the battlefield with his wooden staff in his hand and his command staff at his side. His prayerful presence aided the morale of the troops. Moses needed encouragement because his own people were complaining and criticizing him. He faced an uphill battle with his stiff necked people, and they had found out how dangerous it was to oppose their leader. His intercession made the difference in battle. It wasn't the strength of the army that was critical, but the power of prayer. I'm going to have you learn that. You know, we don't have to be hundreds. Jesus changed the world of 12 men. The whole change turned the world upside down. The defeat of the Amalekites was a redemptive event. It signified that Moses prayed with his wooden staff, which played an important function in the 10 plagues against Egypt. God, through Moses, delivered his people. The hilltop overlooking the battlefield was where the battle was truly won. Else they would never have defeated the demons from hell, living in these Amalekites. They would not have prevailed unless Moses, and Aaron had been on that hill. You win the battles first in the heavenlies and then on the earth. You've got to learn this. We win the battles first in the heavens. Sometimes you've got to pray something through. Do you understand what i'm saying it's not repetitive prayer you've got to pray for it and you pray for it and you pray for it. and the intercessor will tell you you feel a green light go on in you when you've got it you just know you've got it you can't pray about it but it might take you a week or two of wrestling in prayer with god say five minutes about it today and then you pray about other things but tomorrow you've got to go there again and you've got to keep going there again until you win and they tell me it's like a green light turning on you and i thought Ugh, well i'm gonna try it you know it's true. It's just like it. It feels like, agree, you've got it. But nothing's changed. You've won that thing you've been praying for, but it doesn't look like you've been, you've won it. Too. But it's won in the heavens, and it will manifest on earth. And the next day you get the phone call that you were praying for and it's through. It's got to be won in the heavens. We've got to supernaturally be supernatural Christians who learn how to fight with God's weapons in this world. Men ought always to pray and not to give up. We we fight it through. Before you're going to go out to Africa, you need to be praying that thing in weeks ahead. You know what I mean? And having uh, your church prayer warriors with you and praying specifically and asking God to give you the strategy, what to say to these people, how to reach them. And when you walk in there, the power of God is there already. And they're they're giving their lives to Christ. It's a revival immediately. You've cleared the area of devils. You sent the artillery in. These people praying here, huge bombs are being sent and landing. in that area, clearing the area. So when you go, it's push over. And then we think we did it, but it's actually the <laughs> price. We prayed for us who did it. You understand what I'm saying? All right, so. Um, there's a little story A group of infantry soldiers were going through airborne school at Fort Benning, Georgia. As they prepared for their first jump, the jump master explained that when the green light went on, everyone was to stand up, hook up, jump out, count to four, and the chutes would open. If that failed, they had an emergency backup chute. Then, after they landed, a bus would take everybody back to the main post. They were much luckier. We had to run back 20 case. One soldier jumped from the aircraft, but nothing happened. He tried to open up his back parachute. Nothing happened. And as he was heading down towards the earth, he thought he could see. He said, great. I bet the bus won't won't be there to pick us up either. (laughs) We all need support and hopefully we're getting it. You know? We need support. You need support against the Amelokites in our lives. We are attacked by demonic. And we're going to look at that much more in the next two lectures. We are attacked by depression, the weapons of the devil's warfare the greatest weapon in his arsenal right now, in the church, that I've ever seen. We attacked the devil's weapons, depression, sickness. Not all sickness is demonic. I cannot eat right to get sick. You know what I mean? I had one of my guys, he's a Christian, one of my workers, he's a Christian guy, and you know, he loves the Lord and that, but he's getting boils under his arms. I said to him, what are you eating, you know? Now he told me, whatever. I said, Do you actually ever eat any fruit?" He said, "I never eat fruit in my life." I said, "You're gonna die, bro. I can pray for you till you blue in the face. Go eat some fruit, you know." So he went and bought apples and he bought bananas, and then every day. And within three days, it's gone. We could have prayed against the demonic <clears throat> till we blew in the face. It wasn't the problem. You understand what I'm saying? So not all sickness comes from the pits. You know, your lifestyle can just be shocking, you know, and eat the wrong foods, and which I'm famous for doing, but, you know what I mean, and things like that, you know. So, but it can be a, a weapon in the enemy's arsenal. It's depression, sickness, hopelessness, the devil's uh, things, financial problems, and many other ailments that the enemy can hinder you with greatly. We often see it, you know, in my trade, we don't get paid it. So they're paying us or whatever, you know, and for no reason. We finished the job, it's putting great strain on me. Then we get a couple of Christians, we sort of rebuke that devil holding it back within a day or two of them. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. They will harass you every way you can. You may be a type of Moses where if you keep up your hand in worship and prayer, the angels of God represented by Joshua win the battles against the devils in our lives. When we grow tired and weak, then Aaron, the high priest who represents the church and her, who represents the average guy in the church, come to your side and help you hold up your arms so that God may give you the victory. We cannot fight on our own. Even this week I was harassed. You know, I I suspect it was because of today's meeting. You know what I mean? Harassed. I, I was actually so harassed that I got so stressed out that I told the guy at the... He was putting, uh, um, I went to go put petrol in my in my bucky and I said to him I was so stressed I couldn't think straight I said put diesel in and, and I didn't think about it as you know, it's a, it's a petrol buck you know. He came to the window and said I don't think this is a, a, diesel buck, a diesel bucky I said oh did I say that? He said yes you did. I said you know. Then I realized I can't, I'm, I'm overrun. My outer defenses are overrun, The enemies everywhere, I phoned Christine. I said, listen, you've got to pray for me, I'm, I, I just, I'm stressing here really badly. We got the intercessor group, we sent a message to them. But even after Christine prayed for me, just over the phone, I felt instantly better. Calmer and ready to go back into the battle. And then the intercessor group took it up and I felt great. I was able to go. everything was sorted out that I thought was wrong. You know, we can't do this alone. You know, we, we need the church of God. You know? right so it works for the church the same for church leaders i want to tell you that and for the guys working here i hope you pray for dr peter hammond daily you know what i mean you know and uh, if you you have to do that it's not actually a question we've got to watch over our leaders or they will also fall or be hindered in the work of god
1: Many years ago, Bishop
0: McConnell told a story of something that happened in a little fishing village on New England coast. On a winter's day, a storm came up suddenly while the boats were out at sea. The men rowed desperately to reach the safety of the harbour. Everybody made it except one old man named John. He had almost reached the mouth of the harbour when a great wave came along and dashed his tiny boat across a rock. He managed to pull himself up on a tiny ledge and hang there for life. His friends saw what happened. There wasn't anything they could do about it. It was growing dark and the seas were high. All they could do was wait. They built a bonfire on the shore and kept it burning all night. Every once in a while someone would throw his cap in the air, hoping the old man would see it. At last dawn began to break and the winds began to die down. They put out their boats and were able to get close enough so they could bring him safely back to shore. When the old man had been warmed by the fire and been given something to eat, they asked what it was like out there. Well, he said it was the longest night of my life, night of my life. I made out pretty well at first, but then a big wave came along and flattened me out, and I felt myself slipping. I was worn out. I was ready to give up. My old father went down at sea, and I decided my time had come, he said. But just as I was ready to let go, I looked through the darkness and saw someone's cap going up in the air. I said to myself, if there's somebody who cares enough about old John to stay out on a night like this, I guess I'm not going to quit yet. And just then the wind seemed to ease up, and I got a fresh hold and well, here I am. That's the picture. Connect the picture with Aaron and her holding up the hands of Moses, and know that that's a picture of being connected with the Lord's people struggling at the foot of the mount, struggling in the sea of Life. We're going to help one another in, in in this in these wars and the coming great battles that are still coming. The church as well. Psalm 3316 16 to 18 says, no king is saved by the size of his army, no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, and on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon wrote, the strongest battalions melt like snowflakes when God is against them.
1: God is not for you.
0: You know, you don't stand a chance. And God is for, for us against the strongest battalions that the enemy can offer. He's on our side. And what stops us winning is our fear. We fear to go to battle. I, I, look at David's mighty men. You know, you get a picture of that. You know, David and a, and um, a guy was standing, were standing. There were the whole army was facing the Philistines, and uh, the Philistines attacked. And the, the church, or the believers, ran, and David and Elysia, I think his name was, they just pulled their swords out and stood against his entire army. St. David's mighty men. Go read Come on! Yes. <laughs> Two of them. <laughs> the church, the believers, left the battlefield, and that's what always happens today. The church will run. They're not prepared for war. They're not trained for war. But God just needed David and Elysia to stand. And it said they wrought a great, God brought a great victory. All he wanted was those two, somebody to stand. Yeah. And the problem is our Christians don't stand and you lose the battle. Not because God wants you to you retreat. Yeah. And there's no surrender, no retreats in the kingdom of God. They asked a the Marine General during the Korean War, because they were being pushed back by the Chinese. They said to him, why are your people retreating? He said, my soldiers are not retreating. They're advancing in a different direction. <laughs> we don't retreat, we just advance in a different direction. Two minutes, five again. Okay. All right, Exodus 17:30. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I'll utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord is sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. We are still seeing Amalek in the form of demons. We're still fighting against spiritual Amalek. We cannot, how much further have I got? I'm never going to make it. All right, I'm going to just pull it up here now, no? And then maybe we can carry on in the next session. Okay, so we cannot try to fight this battle in the flesh without God. We need to do it God's way and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon had a college for young preachers. On one occasion, a young man, highly gifted, preached a masterful sermon on the Christian's armor listed in Ephesians 6. This guy put on the armor, putting on the helmet, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, and he's carrying on like this, you know. And uh, he he put it on piece by piece until he was fully dressed from head to toe. And he paused and he looked at the congregation, including Spurgeon, drew his imaginary sword and said, now, where is the enemy? And he paused again for great effect. And Spurgeon leaned leaned forward from the front row, cupped his hands over his mouth, and he whispered, he's inside the armor. (laughs) This guy's pride, you know. (laughs) We all know the truth of this. All right, so we must learn to fight the spiritual weapons. I'm going to stop there because then there's another section I can go on with the battle plan we follow. Okay.